excited to be in the house of the Lord. Come on, make a little bit of noise. Excited to be here today. Man, it's so good to see you guys. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to welcome you to Better Life Church. Thank you so much for working with us. We want to welcome everybody watching online as well, especially the Grace and Core team that's meeting there. We're going to go live on this on January 27th. Can't wait for that. As we end this year, and as we end this series called Thrill of Hope, you know, I, I think it's appropriate. I have no idea what 2018 held for you. I have no idea what 2019 is going to hold for you. But how do we have hope for tomorrow when we don't know what tomorrow holds? None of us know what tomorrow holds. How do we have hope for tomorrow? And so our passage today is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is really called the book of hope. And, and, and Peter is writing to a church who's being persecuted, who they're being martyred, who they're losing their life and suffering. And he comes in with these words to comfort them for hope for tomorrow. The Bible says, I'm using the New Living Translation in verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. That's my prayer for 2019, for that God just continue to bestow His grace, His love, His mercy, and His peace upon us. Verse 3, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, that we've been saved, because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation, literally saying a living hope. Our hope is not dead, our hope is alive. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's pure, it's undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And though or through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And then he says this, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Come on, would you pray with me? So good, so good. God, we come expecting to hear from you this morning. You woke us up, you gave us life, you gave us breath. We are here not by accident. We're here because you have a word for us to receive. And I pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would just calm our hearts and our mind, that we will encounter your son, Jesus, that we will see your son, Jesus. And God, for those and us in the house today who are looking for a hope for tomorrow, I pray that you would just open the eyes of our heart, that we would realize that you are our hope. We love you, Jesus, for it's your name we ask and we pray. Come on now, and everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Give me it for the worship team. Thank you guys so much for all that you do in leading us and worship every 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 week you know this year's been a crazy year it's been an awesome year it's our first full calendar year of being in our new facility and it's been 
just nothing short of a miracle to see what God has done. We have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people give their life to Jesus over, over this year. It's been amazing. It's been unbelievable. We have seen tons of people get baptized as we experience today. People getting baptized every month. The last Sunday of the month, we do a baptism here at Better Life Church because we love seeing people put the jersey on. They're part of the team, right? And they follow to show people that are following Jesus as they gave their life to Jesus. We have, we, we, we planned this 11 years ago. We knew that this would happen, but we didn't know when. But this year we took 80 people from our core team and three of our staff members and we have launched them and sent them to Grayson to launch a campus, a Better Life campus in Grayson, one church, two locations this year. That's exciting because it's taken, that's right. We knew 11 years ago that anything healthy is going to grow. We, we, we've been commanded to go not commanded to stay. And it's just really saying, God, where do you want us to go? And, and starting January 27th, it's going to be our first official launch day there. It's going to be our 11-year anniversary here. You don't want to miss that Sunday. It's also going to be the first Sunday they launch there. And it's really been 11 years in the making. And there's nothing greater to see people saved faster than church planting. You can do all the research and stuff. People, when you plant churches, when you start missions like that, people are attracted. People is, get saved. It's one of the greatest evangelistic strategy to the church. Think about this. Every church that you've ever attended in your whole life, was a church plant. Every church. Someone thought of the church up that holler on the back side of that farm in that city, downtown. The church that you went to Sunday school when you were a little kid. The church that you grew up and you gave your life to Jesus. Someone thought that they should plant that church there and they changed your life because of a church plant. And so we believe that when the fastest way to reach the world is by the local church. It's by planting churches. And we knew this was going to come. And so a couple years ago, we were thinking about even before we moved into this building, we said, how do we practice what we preach and let's start putting money to side to launch our first campus? And we'll wait and see where God launches that. And, and over the last couple years, we put roughly somewhere around $50,000 to the side getting ready for the campus. Now, depending on who you talk to and what research you look at, most people would say that it takes about a quarter million dollars to start a campus, to launch a fully funded campus to get it up and running and sustained. Some places about $750,000. If you're downtown LA, you're downtown Manhattan, places are very expensive, expensive to rent. We thought that we could come under that. We believe that we could do that. You know, when we launched our church here in 2008, we launched a church in the most terrible economic crisis I've ever seen in my life in 2008 going into 2009. And it usually takes a church three years before it becomes self-supporting, before it can support itself without any external help from other organizations or for other churches. And by the end of that year, in fact, 10 months into our church plant 11 years ago, we were already self-supporting, which is unbelievable in the midst of a crazy economic crisis. Why? Because we truly believe if it's God's will, it's his bill. You know what I'm saying? He's going to take care. He doesn't handicap his church. He doesn't handicap that. And so what we decided, said, you know, it'd be a good goal if we could, on our Christmas offering, and we do this if you're visiting with us, if you're watching online, around Christmas time, we, we decided to take up one of our offerings for that year, and we bless people. We bless missions. We bless organizations. We go to our local community. We've given hundreds of thousands of dollars invested into this community through your generosity. But this year, we decided to just give it to launch the Grayson campus, right? We, we, we put money aside, so the goal was, man, if we take in 150,000, that would know, get us really good start to get us up and going. And we did take in 150,000 on Christmas offering, which was two weeks ago. We actually took up 237,000. Come on now, is that not exciting? Is that not awesome? 
and people are still giving to the grace and people are still doing it. But as of that one Sunday, that one weekend, that's amazing. That's crazy. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart as your pastor that your generosity is reaching people all over the world. People ask me all the time, pastor friends, how did you build a building without a building campaign? How do you launch a campus out of the building campaign? How did you buy land without a building campaign? What's your strategy? Here's our strategy. Listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. It's a pretty good strategy. I'm not anti-building campaigns or anything like that, but we just said, you know, we're just going to listen to Jesus and do what he asked us to do. And God has provided through his people. God, God is using you to reach the world. Not only this city, not only Grayson, but also the world. And people all the time ask, why are we launching a campus or, or why Carter County? Do you know today, and there's a lot of great churches in Carter County. I've talked to the pastors, a lot of great churches. They're, they're ministering to people. But today, 20,000 people just in Carter County alone stayed home and did not attend a house of worship. 20,000 people. And folks, listen, we are going to reach the world, and we're going to start here and work our way out. One of the first things we said, I, I remember telling Pastor Adam this, that God's going to use Moorhead to be an outreach all over the world. And we're going to reach people right here from Moorhead, Kentucky. And I'm telling you what, God is using you all over the world to do that. So I want to say thank you so much. And as we end this series, as we end this year in this series called Thrill of Hope, we started out talking about that we're carriers of hope. And what we mean by that is that we carry Jesus into all of our situations. You'll carry him to work. You carry him into your family situations. You carry him to school, on the basketball court, off the court, at Walmart, St. Atlanta, Black Friday. Can I get a witness right? You carry Jesus everywhere you go. So what does it look like to be a hope carrier? And then we talked about how do you find hope in the midst of chaos? It's chaos all over the place. How do you find hope in the midst of this chaotic world? Right? When the world seems to be crumbling all around us, how do you find hope? We talked about that. Last week, our Christmas services, we saw 18 people give their life to Jesus last, last weekend. Is that not amazing? And we talked about what do you do when hope comes home? When Jesus comes home, how do you respond? Now, I have no idea. I have no idea what 2018 held for you. It could have been a good year. It could have been a bad year. I have no idea what 2019 holds. It may be the best year of your life. It could be the worst year of your life. And that's not sugarcoating it. I don't know. None of us have a crystal ball to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. So my question as we end this year and as we end this series, how can I get in position and have hope today that lasts me tomorrow? How can I have hope in the midst of something that's unknown in my life? I have no idea what tomorrow holds. How, how can I be grounded and rooted today in hope, believing that the best is yet to come? And the passage that I talked about today, and I'm going to walk you through this and show you some reasons why we can have hope for tomorrow. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to walk through this passage together. But there is a disclaimer here. And the disclaimer is this, that the benefits that I'm about to share with you that we can have hope for tomorrow applies to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not talking about the intellectual knowledge of Jesus. I'm talking about an intimate heart connection. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're here, whether your parents made you come or someone bribed you to come or that's going, they're going to re-gift a gift that it like for Christmas and give to you if you come, you know what I'm, I'm preaching to somebody now. You know what I'm talking about. I'm glad you're here. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, listen, you keep coming back. You're like, man, I'm just checking this God thing out. I don't even know if he's real. I don't even know if I really believe this stuff yet. Listen, you just keep coming. If you're watching online, you just keep watching online. 
and you hang tight with us, and you just begin just to walk it out as you seek Jesus and learn about Jesus. But the things I'm about to share with you right now is for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, because the reality is I'm not trying to be mean about it. If you've never truly put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us you are already without hope. You're already without hope, and you're already hopeless. And so I, I want you to listen today that these benefits can be yours if you would just put your faith and trust in Jesus. So if you like to take notes, if you're a note taker, this is going to be a, a good sermon for you because you're going to take some notes here if you like to take notes. If you don't like to take notes, maybe bribe the person beside you to write them down and shoot you a text about it later because you get extra credit in heaven if you take notes. You know that, right? You know that, right? I'm just kidding. That'd be cool, but you, you don't get extra credit. So we're going to walk through this together, walk through this passage, and let's learn some reasons how and why we can have hope for tomorrow. If you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Number one, the reason I can have hope for tomorrow is because I know this. God chose me before I chose him. God chose me. Like, God picked me. I mean, think about it. Don't, you know what it's like to get picked, right? You're, you're at the basketball court, and everybody's standing there, and they got more than what they need, and they're picking, and they're picking, and, and they're picking. Next thing you know, you get picked. You get picked to play. Or you get picked to go to the dance. She finally said yes to you, right? You know what I'm saying? She picked you. Like, you get picked for the job. Out of 20 applicants, you are the one they picked. Doesn't it feel great to be picked? But the reality is God chose me before I chose him. Look what it says in verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. He knew you and chose you long ago. God picked me. God picked me to be born. I cannot choose the year that I'm born into. For some reason, God chose me to be born in the 70s. Most of you, if you lived in the 70s, you don't remember them. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't understand that, we'll talk about that later, right? I mean, God picked me to be born. I didn't get to pick that. I didn't even get picked to be born. I can't even say, I want to be born to be born. God in his sovereignty said, I want Daniel Lucas to be born April the 26th, 1977. I cannot pick the family that I'm born into. Don't you wish you could get a do-over? You know what I'm saying? I, I can't pick that. I can't choose that. Some of you laugh way too hard at that. You're elbowing back there. I see you. Like, I, don't, I, I didn't get to pick my family. I didn't get to pick my skin color. I didn't get to pick what nationality. I didn't get to pick what country I was born into. God in his sovereignty knew me, picked me before I even knew him and said, I want Daniel to be born in this generation, at this time, to this family, into this skin color, to look like this. God picked me and he chose me to be born at that specific time. He, the Bible says that he actually chose me in Christ. That he chose me in Christ. What happened on September the 2nd, 1997 in Cooper Hall, room 212, I hit my knees and I gave my life to Jesus. And the moment I received Jesus, he radically changed my life. And because of that now, because I chose him, I get to spend eternity with him for the rest of my life. And there's no higher honor than to be picked to spend eternity with Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. So let me tell you one thing that gives me hope for tomorrow. Here's what gives me hope. I know that he's in control and that he picked me. That he loved me that much. That he allowed me to be born. He loved me that much. He allowed me to listen to the gospel preached. He loved me that much that he, he opened my eyes that I would see and I responded and I chose him and I gave my life to him. And because of that, I have hope 
for tomorrow. Here's the second reason why you can have hope for tomorrow. And this is the big one. We're going to camp here. That God will always treat me with mercy. This is so good. I hope, I hope that you will receive this one. That God will always treat me with mercy and grace. Listen to what he says in verse 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that you've been saved. That you have been born again. What caused that? Look what he says. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. And because I put my faith in that resurrection, and that's what, that's what separates everything. Everyone goes to a grave to worship their God. Our God got up out of the grave. And because we put our faith in the resurrected Savior, we have been born again because of his, don't miss this, his great mercy, his grace. And I'm telling you what, when you begin to understand his grace more and more and more, you're amazed of it. Because the reality is this, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his grace. We are not good enough for his grace. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. I don't care if you come to church every Sunday, you give every Sunday, you serve every Sunday, you read your Bible every day, you pray every day, you will still never be good enough. That's why God sent his son for us because it's not by my works that makes me right with God. It's by his mercy that I have been saved. I love this in Titus 3, 5. Look what it says. He saved us not because of our righteous things, not because of your goodness, your good works. None of us are good enough. He said, it's all been done because of who? His mercy. Now, this is very important for us to understand. Remember the first Sunday in this series, we talked about we're carriers of hope. And that this year, we're going to carry hope into our dysfunctional families, right? We all, y'all just got to hang out with them this week. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are still rowdy because of it, right? I mean, you got to hang out with your dysfunctional family. And we talked about we carry Jesus into the midst of our chaos and our dysfunctional families. And this year was going to be the year, right? I, I've talked to some of you. And you said, this year, we're going to act good. This year, we're going to be on our best behavior. We're going to carry Christ. This is going to be the best Christmas we ever have. I know my brother's coming over with his new girlfriend, but we're going to treat her nice. I know I got to hang out with my in-laws for three days but praise Jesus I'm covered by the blood and I'm going to have this this is I'm carrying Jesus with me it's going to be the best Christmas ever and what happens the first night your family shows up you lose your religion you go off you scream you yell you probably said some words you shouldn't have said right and now you're going I'm terrible and you beat yourself up because I'm not good enough I was going to carry Christ me and my spouse my wife we talked about it. we're going to show people Jesus and I messed up the very first day when my family came in Man, I'm not good enough. And then you beat yourself up, and then the devil beats you up, and then you project this thought on God that God must be mad at me because I can't do this. I can't be good enough. And you begin to beat yourself up, and now you're thinking, you know what? God's going to get even with me. 2019 is going to be terrible because I made a promise I was going to carry Jesus to my dysfunctional family. Now I don't even know. Now I'm mad at myself, and God is messed, God's going to mess my life up because of this. God don't operate that way. God will always respond to his children with grace and mercy. God's like, man, I can't believe you blew it, Daniel. I, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. You know what? I'm going to make 2019 pure hell for you. God doesn't do that. God's not saying, hey, remember 20 years ago what you did in high school? <laughs> I'm going to get you back now. God doesn't operate like that. They are consequences to our sins. Yes. 
But God's not saying, I'm going to get even with you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, cause I'm mad at you. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And because of that, He's going to bestow His grace and His mercy over and over and over upon you. And you're like, that's, that's not right. That's not possible. That's not fair. That's called grace. How's that even possible? Did you read what He said? It's because we have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And when He sees us, He accepts us as His son and His daughter with kindness and mercy and grace. And some of you right now, you're beating yourself up over because 2018 was a bad year. You messed up. You did something you shouldn't have did. You tried. You shouldn't have done. And you beat yourself up. And God's like, come home. Come to me. And you're like, I don't deserve to come home. I deserve to be punished. He's like, but I love you. And that's grace. Come home. And if we could grasp that, that when we blow it, and you will, you're going to mess up in 2019. You're going to mess up before 2019. And he's still going to respond to you with grace. And he's still going to respond to you with mercy. Folks, listen, that gives me hope. No matter what happens tomorrow, he's going to respond with mercy and grace toward me because I'm his adopted son and you are his adopted daughter. Here's the third reason why we can have hope for tomorrow. And this one's a big one. I love this one. It's because God has secured my future. Have you ever thought about that? God has secured my future. And because of that, this gives me hope for tomorrow. That God has guaranteed and secured my eternal destiny. And nothing is going to change that. No matter what else happens in my life, my eternal destiny has been secure. And folks, that gives me so much hope knowing that I can lose things in my life, but I will never lose what God has deposited within me, and that is salvation. Paul says it like this, I am confident that he who begun a good work in me, what he started in me, will complete it at the last day. He will complete what he has started in me. Look what he says in verse 3. It says, now we live with great expectation. Literally in the Greek, it means living hope. We have a living hope. That's what great expectation means. A living hope, not a dead hope, not a fake hope, a living hope. My hope is active. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not wishful thinking. It's not optimistic. It's not optimism. It's like I have a living hope knowing that my future is secure. Listen to what it says in verse 4. And we have a priceless, you cannot put a price on it, Inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. This is so fascinating. I want you to look what he says. He says, you have an inheritance, watch this, that's kept for you. That word kept means preserved. It means reserved for you. See, most people don't understand this. Most people don't understand it. But do you know you have to have a reservation to get into heaven? Did you know that? You don't just die and you walk up to the gates or you walk up to the door of heaven and knock on it and go, hey, can I get in? And they're like, uh, let me see if you're on the reservation list. Let me see if your name is in that big book of life. And then flip through the name. What's your name? Okay, Els, Lucas, 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 Lucas. Man, I'm sorry. You're not on the list. Did you make a reservation? And you would say, how do I make a reservation? Well, it's very simple. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. That reserves you a seat at the table. That's how, that's the reservation. So if you, want, if you want your spot, if you want your place to be kept, as the Bible says, preserved or reserved, you've got to make a reservation, and that reservation is made through Jesus. He's the one that reserves that seat for you, and it says it's kept 
for you. I'm going to keep it. I got your name on it, put a pretty bow. Nobody can touch your seat. It's your seat that I have kept for you. And because of that, he says, it's pure, which means literally it's not fake. It's not a scam. I'm not scamming you, he says. I've got you a place, a seat. Your name is written in the book. You are here. I've preserved it. I've reserved it because you have put your faith and trust in me. And I reserved you a place in heaven for you. And it's pure. And he goes and says this, uses this big word, it's undefiled. Literally means it's not corrupted. It's incorruptible. Nothing can corrupt this. That means this, your salvation can never be undefiled. It can never be corrupted. It is true. true. It is pure. It's the real deal. Folks, that's security. That my spot at the table is undefiled. It's pure. It's reserved with my name on it. Written in blood. Jesus died for me. And I reserved that place because I put my faith and trust in him. Therefore, I have hope for tomorrow. He goes on and says, this gift, this salvation, it's beyond the reach of change and decay, which means it will never die. It will never, ever, ever, ever fade away. What is, what is, what's Peter saying here? Is he, now listen, Peter is writing to a church who's being persecuted, who are losing their lives because of the gospel. We here, the American church, we have never seen persecution like these people have seen persecution. And like our brothers and sisters are being persecuted all over the world. Persecution to most of us is someone says something bad about me on Facebook. Oh my gosh. Persecuted. She made me take my Bible verse down at work. I can't put it on my cubicle anymore. I'm persecuted. Folks, we've never really seen persecution yet. But it will come to the American church. I promise you that. It will come. That someday I will stand on this stage and things that I will preach will be against what the law says. It will come. It's moved through Europe. It's now in Canada. It's just a matter of time. They will dictate what you can say from this place. It will come. But Jesus says, it will come. Here we already know. But hear what Peter's trying to say. I know you're suffering, church, talking to the church here Peter's writing to. I know you're being persecuted, but there is hope for tomorrow. And here's what's hope. God picked you. He chose you. Guess what? He has secured you. He's got an inheritance waiting for you that's beyond decay. It's beyond the grave. It will never fade away. Just keep trusting him. That's how you can have hope. For tomorrow, what is he saying? He says this, I've read the final chapter, we win. Jesus says, if the world hated me, <laughs> they're definitely going to hate you. Shouldn't shock us when persecution comes to us. This is not our home. We don't belong here. Heaven, what's been reserved for us. Here's the fourth reason that we can have hope for tomorrow. And that is because God's power will protect me. Like God's power will protect me. And I know sometimes you're in situations where you feel hopeless, you feel helpless, you feel powerless, but that's a lie. We always have hope in situations because Jesus is our hope. Look what he says in verse 5. And through your faith, God is, look what he says, protecting you by his power. 
God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which will be revealed on the last days for all to see. Now, here's what you got to understand about eternal life. Eternal life starts now. Like the abundant life starts now, a.k.a. the better life starts now. When you give your life to Jesus, God just didn't save you to take you to heaven. If the only reason why God saved you to take you to heaven, the moment you were saved, he should took you home. But God saved you and left you here for a purpose. I'm going to share the purpose for you right just in a moment. Good things, bad things happen to you. And why do bad things happen? I'm going to share with you why bad things happen. So all of us today are going to understand that. But I'm getting you ready in position. Because there's great things I'm going to do in your life. But my power will protect you. And even though he's deposited salvation within me, the day he calls me home or the day he comes back and gets me will be revealed that my faith truly within was genuine and true and faithful. He says, I'm going to protect you. It's a military term. It means I'm going to put my arms around you. I'm going to guard you and nothing can get you. Here's the crazy thing. Nothing can happen to you unless God gives it permission. Everything that happens in your life, good, bad, ugly, all in between, everything that happens in your life has been filtered through your heavenly Father. Everything. Nothing goes, how did that get by me? God's like, how did that sneak in there? How did that happen to you? Everything that happens in your life has been filtered through your heavenly Father. And your heavenly Father did not cause it, but your heavenly Father did allow it to happen in your life and you may say why does he allow those things to happen I'm gonna share that with you just in a moment but God protects me he puts his arms around me folks listen next year I may lose my investments next year I may lose a loved one next year I may lose my health next year I may lose my mind my wife already thinks I have but hey it's, that's debatable but I will never, ever, 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 ever lose what God has already deposited within me. Ever. No matter what happens in my life. Folks, that gives me hope for tomorrow. Knowing that he is in control. And here's my last point out of this passage I want to share with you. Man, there's so much. These next two verses, man, we could preach for weeks out of. But the reason why I can have hope for tomorrow is because God is preparing me for eternity. Right now, God is preparing you for eternity. And he uses everything that comes into your life. The good things, the bad things, the ugly things. He's using those things to prepare me and you for eternity. And the moment you get this, and the moment you understand this, it begins to start making sense. And we can stop asking the question, why is this happening to me? Like, why is this happening to me? Right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does things happen to me? Why does my heavenly father allow things to be filtered through his hands, but then he chooses to allow them to pass through to me? the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why does this happen to me? Look what he says in verse 6. Now remember, keep this in context. A persecuted church, men and women who are losing their lives because of the gospel. And he says this, be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead of you. There's hope and joy for tomorrow. 
Even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while, these trials are only to test your faith, to show that it's strong and pure. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, and though your faith is far more precious than gold, to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And in this passage, oh my goodness, there's so much, so much. But when you look here, there's a verse here. I really, I really don't like it. I don't like this verse. There's good parts in the beginning. He says, there's wonderful joy ahead of you. That's awesome. But then he says this, don't miss this. The trials that come into your life, I have no idea what's going to happen in 2019 in your life. I don't even know what's going to happen in my own life. I can make plans. I can set goals, right? New year, new me. New year, new you, right? We, we got all this stuff, but I have no idea what tomorrow holds. But I do know who holds tomorrow in his hand. And if my faith is in him and know that he's protecting me, then I can have hope for tomorrow. But listen to what this verse says. Trials in your life, don't miss this. Look what he says. They're necessary. They're not optional. God's like, no, trials in your life is necessary. Why? Because I'm preparing you for eternity. And then he goes on and says, not only they're necessary, but there'll be many of them. I don't like that. There's going to be many trials. You know what that word many means? It means various. It means varied. What's he saying? You're going to have some big trials. You're going to have some intense trials. You're going to have some trials in your life that may absolutely take you out. You're going to have some little trials. You're going to have some not so big trials. But the trials that come in your life, there are going to be many of them. And God says this, they're necessary. What? Come on, man. What's up with the better life? I don't want trials in my life. But I say this over and over and over. The better life is not the absence of pain. The better life is Jesus walking through you in your pain. That's the better life. But then there's hope. Look what he says. They're necessary. There will be many. But then look at it. He says, but they'll only be for a while, which means this, they're temporary. Trials in your life are temporary. Even if the day you were born, you suffered for the rest of your life. And if God allowed you to live 60, 70, 80, 90 years, that is still temporary in the light of eternity. It's still temporary and short in a light of eternity. So why, what is God up to when I face these trials? Like I have no idea what the trials I hold in 2019, but I'm gonna have hope. What is God up to? Why does this happen? He tells us. He says the first thing is the reason why I allow this trial to come into your life that filtered through my hand and I said yes to it is to test your faith. Look what he says. These trials are only to test your faith to show that it's strong and pure. This test will strengthen your faith because I'm preparing you for eternity. So I said yes to let this come into your life. I didn't cause it, but I did allow it because it's gonna test you. I'm here to test your faith. Then he goes on and says this, your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. What does God, what does that mean? Purify means to refine, which means this, God is purifying your heart. God is purifying your motives. God is way more interested in your character than your comfort. 
And He wants to test your faith to make it strong. He wants to purify and refine your heart and your motives so that it will be pure. See, so many of us pray, God, change my circumstances, change my workplace, change my family, change the places I go, change my school, change my, change all this horrific trials that I'm going through. And God's like, I'm not interested in changing your circumstances. I want to change you. I want to purify your heart. I want to purify your motives. I want to test your heart so that it will be stronger. Why? Why is God doing that? Because He's preparing you for your rewards. This is fascinating. Look what He says. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by these trials, these fiery trials, watch this. This is, it will bring, look at the word, you. Much praise and glory and honor. Every time it talks about praise and glory and honor, it's referring to Jesus. But in this instance, when you stand the trials that come in your life, when your faith is strengthened and your heart is purified, guess what happens? It says you will receive praise and honor. You will receive the reward of glory and praise and honor in your life. Everything we go through here on earth is preparing us for eternity in heaven. Pastor, why can you and I have hope for tomorrow? I have hope for tomorrow because he picked me. He chose me before I chose him. I have hope for tomorrow because no matter what mistakes I make today, tomorrow in 2019, he always will come towards me with grace and mercy. That gives me hope. I have hope for tomorrow because even though I may lose things in my life, I will never lose what he's deposited within me. This great salvation that he's placed upon me and every single one who's put their faith and trust in his son. I have hope for tomorrow because he'll protect me by his power. His word tells me I have to trust his word and take his word to be true. And I have hope for tomorrow because right now, whatever happens in my life, he's preparing me for eternity. He's preparing me for that moment. Folks, my question to you as we close this series, as we close this year, who or what are you putting your hope in? If you're putting your hope in the government, if you're putting your hope in a stock market, an economy that goes like this, if you're putting your hope in your job or your career or the things of this world, they will fade away because they will not last. The only thing that will last is by putting our faith in the Lord. So I want to end this year in this series with this verse. And this is a very one of the most probably, I won't say quoted verse in the Bible, but it's one that you see Christian schools a lot, the ones you see in secular schools, you'll see this in even secular workplaces. It's a verse that they hang up. But I'm telling you, if, if you will get this, you'll understand where the hope for tomorrow comes from. And it's found in Isaiah 40 verse 31, and it says this, those who hope in the Lord, in the Lord, not in the things of the world, not in the things around me, not in relationships, not in status, 
not in my career, not in my paycheck, but those who hope in Jesus, in the Lord. Look what it says. They will renew strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will be strengthened and have hope for tomorrow because their hope is in Jesus. And that's my prayer for you today. And that's my prayer for you, honestly, for the rest of your life. Your hope will be steadfast in the immovable rock, redeemer, refuge, our hiding place. His name is Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. Every Sunday, we'll talk about Jesus. There will not be a Sunday you ever show up here online or in the house that we don't talk about Jesus because that's who our hope is in. And today, maybe as you end this year, intellectually, you know about Jesus, but intimately, you've never given your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Just like we did in the first service, people gave their life to Jesus. Today, you're in great company. So if you're ready to say, I, I want to move from an intellectual knowledge about who Jesus is, but an intimate relationship with Him, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Now, I say this all the time, saying a prayer will not save you whatsoever. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if that's you, I just want you to pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I put my faith and trust in you. I have no idea what tomorrow holds. But my hope is now in you because you hold my tomorrow. And today I repent of my sin and I turn to you. You know, just like the first service, I believe that there's people here who cried out to the Lord. And I'm here to embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you as we end this year and celebrate salvations have come to the house today. And if you pray that with me, would you be so bold just to slide your hand and say, Pastor, let's know I just pray that with you. Would you be so bold? Come on. Awesome. Anybody else be so bold? Awesome. Just want to let you know, Pastor, you got nothing to be ashamed of. I just want to pray for you today. Hope has visited my heart. That is awesome. And we rejoice for you. I just saw you raise your hand. If you would go to the red room, we'd love for you to take your next step. We want to help you follow Jesus so you can experience a better life. That's the mission of our church. But maybe if some of you here and you've gone astray in 2018, it's been a rough year. You tried things you shouldn't be trying. You did things you shouldn't be doing. You've been in things. It's just been a rough year. I just want to encourage you that the Father loves you. And you can just return his grace and mercy is here. He loves you. He's not here to beat you up. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Yes, there are consequences to our sins. Absolutely. But your heavenly father says, I love you. Why don't you come home? 
But pastor, I don't deserve it. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've tried. You don't know what I've done. He does. And he still saved you. And he still loved you. And he knew you'd be here today. That's called grace. Would you come home? And if that's you, right where you sat, just cry out to him and repent. Just say, Jesus, I've blown it this year. He knows it. It ain't like it's shocked by it. And then say, today, I'm going to repent again of my sin and turn. I'm sorry for blowing it. Thank you that you respond with grace and mercy today. You are my hope. Cry out to him. And then we're going to do something, too, we haven't done in a while. This is a little different. But just in a moment when the worship team begins to play, I'm going to ask you, I'll ask you to stand up. And if you feel led and you want to come and make this place an altar, you're more welcome to come and just pray. You can go to the side, to the walls and pray if you want. And it's not praying because there's something wrong in your life. Maybe there is. Maybe you need to talk to God about it. But maybe you're coming with a great expectation or a living hope, believing and declaring that 2019 is going to be the best year of your life. And you just want to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to let you know my hope is in you. And I have no idea what 2019 holds, but I know you do. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my faith in you. And wherever you lead me, I will go. Because you live, I can face tomorrow. And so as you stand to your feet, I'm going to pray. And if you feel led, you're more than welcome to come and just sit up front and pray. Just get before the Lord and say, Lord, let's go believe this is the best year ever. And just talk to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every single day. Today, we come believing and declaring that the best is yet to come in our life. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your love. And today, as we come to get before you and humble ourselves and kneel at the altar, we just want to believe that the best is yet to come. We love you, Jesus. For your name, we ask and we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.